So is he the jar or the Kool-Aid? Because of that, I believe he's the jar. I would say both. I'd say the Kool-Aid is his blood, and then the jar is him. It's a little graphic. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking Kool-Aid here. Um, What what part of him contains his consciousness? The glass. The The glass? The container? The spout. The spout. Just the spout. Is there even a spout on the Kool-Aid man? I don't know. I think it's kind of like a pointed spout, like a little bit. A little bit, make it easier to pour. So let me ask you this, Josh. What? Have you drinking Kool-Aid? Uh, no, well, I've drank Kool-Aid, but not the Jonestown Kool-Aid. If that's what you're referring to. No. So have you or have you not drank his blood? I would say yes, probably have. Wow. Although I, I think the Kool-Aid man, you were talking about his spout. I think he's missing that part of his anatomy. <laughs> so we went we're, from we're done. <laughs> we're done here. To the anatomy. And welcome to the Uncovered Podcast. My name's Joshua, and my name is Kendall. We're here to talk about our journey. Let's get into it. What's up? What's up, man? Oh, well, got some questions from our Patreon. Actually, for those of you uh, listening, we don't currently have a Patreon. No, but we all don't. levels of monetization are on the table. <laughs> no, actually, none of them are on the table. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's Not a, yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll discuss that at a later date. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, raise your hands if you're. If you're uh, not Karen right now, not, not the person Karen, but caring. Yeah, I was confused. I was like, I'm definitely not Karen. Um, but we do have questions from we, our we, stance. From our what? Bro, our stance. Those people who have been with us since the beginning. <laughs> We're kind of still in the beginning. It's basically just everybody at this point. I mean, you're true. You're right. That's true. I'm true. I'm oh, true. You're true. <laughs> <laughs> you're true. That's right. Uh, all right. So, question whoa, 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 number one. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, man. Killed oh, man. my vibe. Yeah, I'm killing your vibe a little bit. Um, we just want to say hello. Um, I want to say hello from my living room. Yes. Yes. We are We are abiding by all the rules, regulations. We're 10 feet apart. Yep. At least. I'd be hard pressed to throw something all the way to Joshua at this moment, bro. Just kidding. I've a got football. A, I've got wouldn't a pre- make it. Wouldn't make it. I've got a pretty good arm, but not that that good. We're doing a great job. Yeah. But um, yeah, we uh, we had put something out on our Instagram, uh, well, uh, this last week. I don't even know what sometime. day it is anymore. As as sometime we put out some questions, and we wanted to uh, wanted to start start this episode answer some of those questions to the best of our ability. We want to just create some interaction with anybody that's listening, anybody that uh, has happened to tune in, yeah. tune in for this podcast. So, all right, Josh, yeah. question yeah. number one. Question number one. How often do you, Josh, usually pee in a day? So I guess that question's kind of for me. Yeah, uh, I, I Kendall can Kendall can weigh in that? weigh in with his opinion, <laughs> okay. observation, and even uh, his own personal experience with how often he pees in a day, okay. just to give some context right, to yeah, the yeah. question mm-hmm. at hand. Okay. 
No, that's um, a great idea. So I, you wanna you wanna give some context, lay a foundation, so that you know I'll answer. Then I'll answer my portion of this question. No. Okay. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, no. You should just answer this one, buddy. <laughs> uh, so I try to pee as often as I can in a day. Sometimes wait, when wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. very I'm a, hydrated. No, I'm gonna need you to clarify. Every time you can possibly pee, you try to go pee. Uh, yeah, if there's an opportunity or an opening, I'll usually try to take it. <laughs> an opening, like in just a restroom. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a restroom in my vicinity that happens to not be occupied, I take advantage of it every time. Are you like a dog that's claiming your territory, but it's just the same territory over and over again? Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I'm more like a, um, like a, a giraffe or a large lion (laughs) claiming his territory. I don't think so. Over and over again. A giraffe or a large lion. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But to more specifically and, um, clearly answer this um, question, I go pee Every day, at least once, usually more times than that. At least once. I'd hope so. Yeah. I'd hope so. I stay hydrated. Okay, well, then you should be going to the restroom a whole lot more than once. That's true. But a little encouragement to everybody, stay hydrated. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. Yeah. Second question. How did Josh meet Kendall? Then they say, love you guys. Love you too. You know who you are. You've been a stand since day one. Yep. So Kendall, how your perspective on when I when I met you, and then I'll share my perspective. I don't remember. You're a pretty forgettable guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I remember um, I was in Spokane on a ministry trip with our ministry school. And uh, we decided one night late after, might have been after a church service, I don't remember, we decided to go to Sherry's because we wanted dessert. And uh, Isaiah, our mutual friend, um, invited you to come to Sherry's, and that was the first time I met you. Yeah. Um, what was What was your perspective on the moment that we really bonded that that instance well i think you're trying to lead me to a certain uh incident that happened on our way out of the sherry's <laughs> after hanging out for a little bit um i was i was walking out and you were behind me mm-hmm. um and i received a a firm firm but crisp slap on my rear end on my way out of sherry's and i turned around and lo and behold it was this dude that i just met um He's not wrong. Maybe maybe an hour prior. Yeah. And uh, that's when I knew we were going to be best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not maybe not in the moment, but in in the in the scheme of things, you knew that there's a good chance that we could get along. Yeah, yeah. Then I actually met you, and I was like, there's no yeah. way this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. Uh, but, oh, man. Yeah. My, my perspective, I was like, well... Uh, this guy is friends with Isaiah. I'm friends with Isaiah. He seems pretty cool. 
And, you know, there's no better way to meet somebody than to smack them on the butt or end well, up. Well, that's not entirely well, true. It's e- I wouldn't either suggest. that or you end up with a uh, needing a lawyer. Yeah, are you saying you if you slap a stranger on the butt, you yeah, either become best friends or, or you need, need a lawyer? lawyer. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. There's no in-between. <laughs> yeah, there's no in-between. Yeah, uh, so I don't actually suggest doing that. Not a good idea. No. My brain was still in development at that point. Probably still, still in, is development. in development. <laughs> yeah, it's we, not we can We can only hope it's still uh, in development. Yeah. Yeah. This would, it's not even my final four. <laughs> Just oh, no. kidding. I'm over 25. Yeah. Uh, that ship sailed. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all right. All right. Enough fun. Oh, now to yeah, the we're, serious. We're done with all the fun. Yeah. All the fun. Laughter's in the vault and not coming out yep. till next week. It's under lock and key. So, all, all right. you guys. Serious question, though. What do you think defines success? It's a really good question. I think the answer, uh, I'll let you uh, you address your answer you'd put out on, on Instagram, but I think um, the world we live in and the current state of culture has a pretty twisted idea of success that's fed to us, and a lot of it has to do with just the current media age that we live in. I think that it's really easy to portray success um especially if we're just looking at somebody's instagram profile or um, whatever we think and we think it's chalked up to a whole lot of money or all the things that we could possibly want or whatever it might be but i i think those are pretty pretty bad metrics of success and uh, i think success looks a lot different that if you look at people at the end of their life um they're not concerned about how much money they made or all the things they had uh, but rather who's in the room around them at the time of their passing and i think that leads into kind of what you had yeah you had written josh yeah um i put in the uh, instagram which by the way um you can follow our instagram at podcast.uncovered boom and uh you can interact with us and do all these different events and questions and things that we we post up there and uh, stay up to date on our, uh, you know, episodes coming out and all the things going on with us. So good way to stay informed, stay connected. It's our Instagram podcast out uncovered. Anyway, so I put on there, the number of healthy and strong relationships you have in your life is the definition of success. And I've sort of come to find that to be super, super true in my own life. Uh, specifically that I've never felt richer or more fulfilled in my entire life than I have and do at this current um, juncture in my existence because there's been times where I've had less bills to pay and more money to spend. But I was some of the most unhappy that I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. So it doesn't have anything to do with how much money that you have to uh, blow at a strip club or whatever the case may be, whatever you, your you know, value system is. Uh, it's all about how many healthy and strong relationships you have in your life. Yeah. And so. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'd say it's also directly connected to the depth of those relationships as well. For sure. That uh, you can, quote-unquote, have, have hundreds of friends, but if nobody really knows you, um, yeah. there's going to be a gap. Yeah, yeah. In, Does, in your heart, so. Doesn't matter how many followers you have, it matters how many friends you have. Yeah, real friends, real yeah. relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. Good question. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Whoever that was. I think it might have been Kaylee. Great. <laughs> shout out to Kaylee. Yeah. We've already shouted out to Isaiah. And I I had a, actually had a conversation with Isaiah the other day, and he was talking about if we ever sh- shouted him out in our podcast. And he's like, you've shouted out Joe Rogan and Mr. Fruit in two episodes, and that's three now. Uh, but you've not shouted me out. And then I guess him and Ryan were talking about that if he was going to be shouted out, then she would be shouted out. And I told him that I, I was like, tell Ryan, she's not getting a shout out, but you, you, you just said her yep, name. That's yep. So there you, you go, lied. Ryan. But there um, you go. Anyway, on to the next question. What are some simple and tangible ways you guys create joy in your life? Mm. It's a really, really good question. I think it's super relevant to the time and space we're living in today, too, that um, I think we might have actually talked about this in a previous episode, um, that joy does not equal happiness, and that I believe joy to be an internal position of our hearts, not an outward or external experience in a moment, that I can feel the emotions of happiness because of a circumstance, um, but I also, because of circumstance, will feel mm-hmm. emotions of sadness or anger or these different things. But in the midst of different emotions or external things going on, I can still have in my heart a posture and a place of joy. And uh, I think some of the simple ways to steward that, um, a really good place to start is um, be aware of what you're, like think about what you're thinking about um, and practice thankfulness practice gratitude um and practice joy exercise joy have fun do things that uh excite you stir your heart do things that you enjoy especially in this time where the vast majority of us are stuck at home that find things that you enjoy find things that fulfill you don't just waste Mm -hmm. all time binge watching netflix or something but do things that build you that grow you that actually feed joy, not just uh, fleeting moments of quote-unquote pleasure, um, but actually practicing joy and finding joy in life. So yeah, FaceTime, FaceTime a friend, read each other jokes, whatever. Like really, really simple things can help feed that. And you can exercise that and then don't dwell be aware of what you're thinking about. So if you find yourself dwelling and you're stuck in a place of sadness or loneliness or whatever it might be, have enough self-awareness to realize what's going on in your mind and then do something practical to get out of it. Even if you need to just get up, take a shower, get ready, go for a walk, whatever it might be, those simple steps can uh, help you steward a place of joy in your heart. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, which I sort of answer this up on the Instagram, but uh, I think a good part of that is what you're saying is like belief and it's what do you believe. Mm -hmm. Um, 
If you believe the worst, you'll always be down. If you believe and fight for the best in people and situations, you'll end up being a much lighter person. Mm. And so, like what, like in uh, Proverbs twenty-seven three, it talks about uh, basically what you think you become. And so what it's saying there is like if you believe something, like that's what you're gonna become. So negative belief systems, negative belief structures will all turn you into a person who um, struggles with joy, struggles with happiness, struggles with finding the lighter side of life because everything that you see and everything that you focus on and your um, confirmation bias is all going to point towards the negative all the time. Mm -hmm. And so... Super important. What do you believe? And I'm not saying ignore circumstances, situations, and realities. Those things exist. They're a part of our lives. They're a part of our world. Like, we're not ignoring this whole virus situation. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to find us spending an, a single second being obsessed or fearful or mm. down about the situation. Like... I'm full of hope and, and joy and, and peace yeah. about this whole situation. And I, I can speak at Kendall's 100% there as well because we believe a certain way, mm -hmm. we see a certain thing, and we focus on a certain thing. And it's it's not the negative. We are not oblivious to the negative. Yeah. But we acknowledge it and we deal with it and we move on from it. It's not something that we stay like that was so good. Don't stay there. Yeah. Like acknowledge it, move on from it. Yeah. I think it, the, the biggest like thief of joy in, in people's lives is often worry. Yeah. And we're, I think it was Chris Valentin was talking about not too long ago. I heard him talking about how uh, the, the current state of news and media is this like drip this drip feed of fear and worry mm -hmm. into people's lives. And we've become accustomed to, and even addicted to at times, this constant stream of fear and of worry. And so the importance of disconnecting from those things. And Jesus plainly said and commanded us, do not worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, we can, we can defeat and overcome worry. Um, I believe in a place of trust saying, God, I give you tomorrow or just letting go of tomorrow that I can't control what happens. Um, I, yeah. I don't, I don't need to control those things. I'm going to, I'm going to be a good steward of and, and do what I can today in this moment in my life. And I'm not going to give any sort of worry to tomorrow because tomorrow will come and I want to be able to engage with it when it gets here. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our next question and sort of our last question, and what kind of leads us into our uh, topic a little bit for today, is what is something that can create a positive atmosphere when you have nowhere to escape? What is something that can create a positive atmosphere when you have nowhere to escape? I think what, you know, this... This is, I believe, coming from a place in everybody's heart. 
of like uh, some of the journey that we're even talking about throughout the whole story of this podcast that we're doing and wanting to dive into is we've been on a journey of learning to embrace and be okay with and love ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when I can learn to love myself and be at peace with myself in my own heart, um, I'm automatically going to be in a space where I don't need to escape. Yes. That we are often looking for things to escape into because we're not at peace in our own hearts and in our own lives and with our own thoughts. And when we can, when we can live in a place of peace in our own hearts and loving ourselves and accepting ourselves and all, all of this, this necessary journey for all of us as human beings, um, then I no longer need a place to escape. I no longer need, um, whether it's different places of addiction that can feed it, uh, porn, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be. Um, I don't need those things to escape because I've learned to love myself and be at peace with myself and, and process through things when they do come up in my heart or I feel a certain emotion that triggers something or whatever it might be that we're facing. And I think I was talking with my parents the other day. It's like everybody in this mandatory quarantine thing is now all of a sudden forced to be alone with their thoughts at one point or another, whereas they might have learned to get away with just going to work and doing these different things that keep them distracted from actually living with themselves. But I think it's a beautiful gift and an opportunity that we're forced to be with ourselves. Yeah. And like Kendall has to be with Kendall and Kendall has to learn to love Kendall and be okay with Kendall and accept Kendall. And when I can do that, then I no longer am looking for a place to escape or whether it's a relationship or something to distract me or whatever it might be. I don't need those things. Yeah. Um, But I can learn to live in an atmosphere and create an atmosphere that I love and I enjoy and I'm good with. Yeah, that's so good. Well, um, one of the ways if you do this, you pray, create an atmosphere by praying. Yeah. Um, I think a big part of what Kendall was sharing, and this actually kind of ties a little bit into last qu- the last question as well, but uh, our life all comes down to choice and what are we choosing Mm -hmm. and like that's so beautiful we in the school we watched uh was it kathleen kennedy some somebody caroline leaf caroline leaf that's who was she's like this neuroscientist slash genius slash brain surgeon slash rocket (laughs) scientist slash insane in the membrane type of person she's red incredibly incredibly intelligent she was sharing about how she didn't believe or understand at first the fullness of the reality of our choice matters our choice has a huge impact and um so choosing what you believe choosing Mm -hmm. what you you know 
put in front of you, what you fill your time with, what you fill your thoughts with, what you fill your emotions with, what you fill your space with, that's really important for creating and maintaining an atmosphere of, you know, joy and, and, and lightness and staying out of the pit of despair and depression and Mm -hmm. anxiety and worry and fear. Yeah. Um, and there's people have had super traumatic things happen to them. Um, I've had pretty traumatic things happen to me in my life as well, but some people have really, really had Mm -hmm. super traumatic experiences. And there's a reality to those things, depending on the level of trauma, will always take time to work through and walk through. Um, And your choice on how you deal with them into the level that you're willing to surrender those things mm-hmm. will often determine the amount of time that it takes. Yeah. Uh, like for me, um, working through the emotional damage of being verbally and physically abused um, when I was a child and the, my parents' divorce and all that stuff, that took me the better part of four and a half to five years Mm -hmm. to work through. And I was consistently putting myself in environments that were ultra healthy, that were, um, I was constantly surrendering my will and my emotion to a process of betterment Mm -hmm. and growth. And it still took me almost five years to like, really come out of and deal with all that stuff. And so um, don't feel rushed or forced into any of this. Like it's all a process of time. It's all a process of choice. Mm -hmm. And it's all a product of you and your heart and your story. Like it's not something that you need to be like, oh, I got to get to this next step. There's not like a next step to it. It's a journey and it's a, a discovery process of discovering yourself, Mm -hmm. um, discovering what you're made to do, discovering how you relate with people and discovering how you relate with God. And so it's all just this process. It's going to take in reality, your entire life. So you have your life, Just live it one day at a time and focus on the thing that's in front of you. Don't focus on like, oh, I have to get over all of this fear. And I was like, you know, molested as a child. Like, like just focus on what's in front of you. Like, hey, how am I going to get through today? Like, what are some choices that I can make to get me through the next 10 minutes, the next 20 minutes, the next Mm -hmm. hour, the next day? And from there, you know, you that's how you, you really grow and that's how you really um, walk this thing out, so. Yeah, and I think the, like, the reality is for for you, yeah, you've been in a an extreme, like, condensed process for the past, yeah. you know, four and a half, five years, but that, there's, like, there can still be at times things that trigger things or 
moments yeah. that bring up stuff and it's like oh there's actually more that yeah. like i think you know the 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 great philosopher shrek or donkey <laughs> might have said something about people having layers like an onion like an onion <laughs> right um and i think i think that's a a good picture of us as people yeah. that times there's there's layers of things that we're working through and that's okay and that's good um and this is really cool we actually wanted to uh, take some time today to talk about um identity and some some discovery of of self and discovery of of who we really are and uh as i was thinking about it this um we we can maybe jump into this more later but this whole like self-awareness thing and mm -hmm. self-discovery thing is kind of like a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, people are loving these different like personality tests or the Enneagram or all these mm -hmm. things. Um, but I've been seeing and looking at, and part of it is my personality, I think, and how I'm wired. Um, but I've been looking at how often people are now using personality or, things they've begun to quote unquote discover about themselves yeah. actually using it as an as an excuse mm -hmm. to not develop to not grow to stay sit stagnant to um, stay in stay in the place that they're at in certain areas of their life or their heart and so i'd love to you know maybe maybe we can dive into that more even yeah. now um, but i think it's important for us um as people, yes, we must be self-aware. It should be enjoy doing these things, enjoy discovering what your Enneagram type is or all these things, um, but don't allow any of that stuff to become an excuse for you to not grow or an excuse to have unhealthy belief systems about yourself or for us as Christians, what Jesus has done in our lives and in our hearts that, yeah. you know, I hear uh, people at times like, well, that's just the way I am, or even like blaming even at times like, uh, well, that's just the way I think or whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe there has been a pattern of that and you thinking that way or you living that way or whatever. And that's okay to acknowledge, um, but don't use it as a blanket excuse to not develop or not grow. Cause like when I look at what Jesus has done in me, like I could look back to before I allowed Jesus to do some things in my heart and in my life and in my mind, I was like completely bound by fear, super cautious, didn't want to do anything new. Like I would cry every time I was in front of people and had to say anything. And you look at that now, it's like I basically do the exact opposite of that for, for a living. Like, mm -hmm. right. And so if I, if I would have stayed in that place now, granted I was a child and all of that, but if I would have stayed in that place and used it as, as an, as an excuse and quote unquote, been self-aware and be like, well, it's just my personality. I'm just not made to be in front of people yeah. or I'm just not made to like, I'm, I'm just a cautious individual. That's just how God has wired me or made me or whatever. But I never actually got to the root of what was going on yeah. and discovering that I just had a lot of fear in my heart. Yeah. Then I never would have been able to step into actually living the life that I'm supposed to be living and enjoying my life. And so I want us to lean into um, the self-discovery stuff, lean into discovering our identity, 
um, walking this journey and this process out. But as I discover things, it cannot become an excuse for me to not grow beyond that certain point. And I allow people to speak into my life without just spitting back at them these different excuses or things, um, I think is, is really, really important. So, yeah, that's actually super critical. Um, cause I, I see that too. Um, and there's an absolute value to understanding your tendencies and understanding the different ways that you handle things and a lot of the um, reasons behind that stuff. Um, But you cannot ever, ever become complacent in any area of your life, even when it comes to your own personality and your own um, bents and your own habits um, and your own likes and dislikes. Because all of that stuff is subject to change and all of that stuff is subject to you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, the U S military has a, a, um, mantra that you learn from the very beginning and it's complacency kills. Mm-hmm. And the minute that you co- become, um, completely complacent, you eventually will become complicit and then you'll eventually stagnate and you'll, Like you'll never go anywhere, you'll never do anything, and you'll actually like lose any progress that you've you've made in your life. And this is why we see people who fall back, like they they walk these beautiful journeys of recovery, Mm -hmm. and then they fall back, yeah, and they go back to whatever it was the vice was, and it's because Mm -hmm. they became complacent, yeah with where they were at and they didn't continue a process of growth. If you stop working out, you'll get fat. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a reality. Yeah. It's a reality I live in. <laughs> <laughs> but, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> so but, um, yeah, if you, if you become complacent, you'll eventually lose all progress that, that was made. And you'll actually regress mm-hmm. into a worse state yeah. than, um, yeah, happen, you had previously. happens all the time. I even, uh, I think of a verse in uh, Psalm 132, most people believe, and there's a whole lot of context that is written by Solomon, David's son. And uh, he he references something his father David had said when he was alive. They said, I will not give rest to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I've built you a house on the earth and is this like statement and don't need to dive into it, but he was basically declaring war on comfort. He was declaring war on complacency that he captured a vision of what was possible of what God had in his heart for God's house. And he's like, I'm not going to rest until I see this thing established. And it wasn't out of a place of striving or anything like that. If you read and know your Bible, David didn't even end up building the house or the temple, mm-hmm. but he captured a vision and he passed it on to his son Solomon. And I think that this is something all of us should capture in our own hearts and our own lives that uh, according to scripture that my body, myself, Kendall, has now become the temple and that my my heart cry, my position should be, I will not 
rest. I will not give in to comfort or complacency until your house, God, which is now me, is established on this earth. And that, I think, is a lifelong process and journey of walking this thing out that, man, there's going to be things every day that I can work on, that I can do, that I can adjust, that, you know, I can, like you were talking about earlier, the choices that we make every day, and that it's not like we're not going to nail it every single day. We're not going to hit home runs every single day. But man, if I just keep staying in the game, I don't, I don't just sit myself on the bench, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I don't give into that complacency or that comfort and I can continue to walk this thing out every day and just get in the game that I think that's really where the, the power lies in, in this, in this journey of discovering who we are and, and stepping into and, learning our identity. And I think, um, I'd love to talk more about, uh, we were kind of discussing earlier that, um, we're thinking there's probably going to be a two part, uh, two part episode, uh, if you will, two part, two episode topic, maybe mm-hmm. I should say. Um, and, uh, in this first one, I'd love to talk about, um, like what is the, the source of our identity? Um, and this is something that, you know, for us as, as Christians, you know, that we have a certain belief system and a structure to how we see the world and things we believe. Um, but maybe if you, if you're listening to this and you don't necessarily believe the same way that we do, um, that's fine. There's no, we're not, we can't force anybody to do anything like, you know, we want everybody to walk this journey, uh, as they're supposed to walk it. And, um, uh, but I do believe that there are principles in, in things that we'll, we'll talk about and we discuss that uh, can be beneficial and really helpful to you, even if you don't believe necessarily the same way that we do. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, we're, we're kind of discussing earlier that I, I personally have never met a human being who doesn't believe in right and wrong. And I know that there, there are some, (laughs) I'm sure there's some people out there that, that don't think there's a right and wrong or whatever. And we don't, that's neither here nor there. I think it's rare. But, uh, if you believe that there is some, some form of morality of right and wrong in, in people, then, like Ravi Zacharias, he says that if there's a moral law, then there must be a moral law giver. And that's like this argument in defense of God. Um, but that also that morality requires humans, us as people to have some form of intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. And we believe as Christians that our value comes from this reality that God made me and that he knows me and that I'm special and I'm valuable because he says I'm valuable. But even if you don't believe in a God the same way I do or a God in general, um, if you believe there to be a right and wrong, I think it's necessary then that you believe that people have value and mm-hmm. thus in turn you have some value. Mm-hmm. And I think that really has to be the, the foundation for any sort of identity and discovering who we are that I can't, I can't discover identity or discover who I am apart from a belief that I'm valuable 
mm-hmm. and I'm here for a reason that like I can't just be tied to I can do something or I can accomplish something, but me as a human apart from anything that I do or anything I'll ever accomplish or any quote unquote success I might have in life that apart from all of those things, I still have value. And I think that has to be kind of the foundation for any sort of identity or self-discovery or yeah. self-awareness in, in our journey, in our walk of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people who are uh, familiar with this uh, idea of the, uh, in German, the Ubermensch and it's means the over, overhuman. Um, it was written about, I believe it was back in the 19, early, early 1900s, um, by a German author, obviously by the word Ubermensch. It's not a very American or English word, but, uh, it's this idea of you doing your own thing, regardless of what it implies or what it costs other people is how you tap into an idea of the tap into the greater reality of the overhuman and it this whole idea is like not only a complete rejection of god but it also leads to things like what we saw in the um world in the second world war with the nazis and the idea mm-hmm. of the um, perfect aryan race and yeah. and all of that and it all came from this idea of the ubermensch and the oh, like this overhuman of finding like the perfect um, state of being in oneself that was a complete rejection of anything morally responsible. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, but he completely rejected this whole idea mm-hmm. and actually was it was the fuel for his um, epic Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit um, books, mm-hmm. uh, where Sauron is not a representation of Satan and perfect ultimate evil as yeah. much as he's a representation of this idea of re- of a rejection of um, morality at, to the um, end of one's own happiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole picture of the ring, you know, being this this thing that looks beautiful, looks perfect, looks simple, but ultimately will enslave you mm-hmm. to the point of you um, not being able to uh, necessarily get out of it without external help. Yeah, um, it's very real. That's why we see people like it's very. That's why like in the story, Gollum is like an addict. Mm-hmm. And to this thing like a crack addict and 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 then like we see like at the end with frodo and stuff with with how difficult it is and and um then we see the beautiful representation of what perfect sacrifice and a real friend like a real relationship and real friendship really means between these members of the fellowship mm-hmm. and specifically with sam and and frodo and so um I just think that that's not only a perfectly 
fleshed out and beautiful representation of this whole idea of um, there being a moral compass and a moral right and wrong, but that you have to not only acknowledge that that exists, but live according to it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will end up as an Adolf Hitler or a you know Joseph Stalin or or any, like these guys never thought that they would be what they were, but they embrace this idea of personal happiness to the rejection of everything that um, is morally right and wrong to such an extent that they they became these infamous people in history where their name is mentioned and it stirs emotions of hate and 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 um division and and um sadness and pain and and all of these things uh, and it's because they pursued personal happiness to the expense of all else so yeah i think i was uh trying to find but i believe the uh the first commandment of the of the satanic bible is right do do as you will mm-hmm. um or something along those lines that's and what i've heard too so it's it's this picture of like we we can become convinced or deceived into thinking that I find freedom in doing whatever I want to do to serve self. Um, but that's actually the deepest form and biggest like place of bondage and, and torment is actually in that place. But real freedom, true freedom actually can only come from surrender and living a life laid down that we as humans, whether you want to believe it or accept it or not, we're designed for love. We're designed for relationship. We're, we're made in the image of God, I believe. Mm. And when we look at the image of God, it is plainly spelled out in Scripture that God is love. And when love is described and love is put on display for us, it's a love that's complete. Love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's not self-seeking. It's, you know, we can go down the list in First Corinthians 13 if we wanted to. But um, that that is that is what we were designed for as human beings. That is what we were made for. That I was made in this image of love. And I was made in this image of myself as a human. I come fully alive and I'm the best form of me, if you will, when I look like love. And I'm not just doing whatever I want to do, but like you were talking about that moral compass that I'm not just like believing that it's a thing, but actually living by it that I'm, and I believe, you know, living and surrender to Jesus and walking in this journey with him and walking in a life with him, that that's the, the starting place for real identity and for us actually finding fulfillment as humans, that finding peace, finding joy, um, learning to love and enjoy life, I think all comes back to and rests on, on this foundation of, of identity that we're kind of starting to touch on and, and dive into. And yeah. 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 It's super important. 
super important that we know who we are, mm-hmm. why we are, how we are. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, you know, what are, if you can think back, Josh, to some of the, the things that we've walked through and gone through, um, and maybe we can try to do our best to get practical for a minute, um, mm-hmm. and discuss some of the things and parts of the, our journey that we've walked through in, in how we've be, began to discover who we really are. And I know, I think in the, in the first episode, we both shared a little bit of our story, yeah. And where you've come from and what we've walked through and I can, I can start if you want, but, um, if you remember and listen to the first episode, I, I talked about, I was raised in church um, as a pastor's kid and, um, all this stuff. And I actually had to walk through a journey. I remember when I finally graduated high school, got into our ministry school and, um, actually, you know, really in my second year began to surrender fully to what God was doing in my life. Um, I had to walk a journey. I remember talking with, uh, pastor John, um, John Knock, he was the director of the school when I started, um, and talking to him about this process. I knew I had to walk of stepping from an identity as pastor Keith's son to an identity of becoming Kendall. And because I'd lived in a place of wearing a mask and living a lie for so long, I only know how, only knew how to perform as Pastor Key's son and in this place of false identity. And because it was a false identity and it wasn't who I actually was, um, it created space in my life for all sorts of really bad things and hard things and negative choices I made and all those, all the different things that we kind of touched on and we've, we've walked through. And so I had to, I had to walk into a journey of the the layers of my life, the uh, those onion layers, if you will, coming yeah. off of I'm not just Pastor Key's son. I'm not just the good pastor's kid. I'm I'm my own person. I've been made in the image of God. All this stuff, and I had to like those false identity things and belief systems and how I saw myself had to kind of be stripped away for a season. And I had to, for me, it was a lot of time of just spending time with God, spending time in the word of God in my Bible reading and, and beginning to discover who I actually am and walking, beginning to walk that out and believe differently and discover that, well, actually I'm, I'm Kendall. I'm my own person. God's got his own, God's got a plan for my life and all this stuff. But what's really interesting, as I've told people before, it was like I thought and and God had to take all the layers away of becoming or of, of being quote unquote Pastor Keith's son. I can even remember back as a kid, like people would come up to me at churches or church services and they'd be like, Oh, 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 are you Pastor Keith's son? That was the intro every single time. It was like, never, are you Kendall? Or, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, it was, that was yeah. how I was, like, legitimately addressed yeah. by everyone. And so I had to walk this journey of those layers being taken away. Um, but then what was really crazy, and I love how God did it, is I had, in order for me to then fully discover who I really was, I actually just needed 
a clearer and healthy revelation of who I was as a son. Mm-hmm. And that was as a son to my father, yeah. Keith, but also as a son to my heavenly father, God. And so it's this really like weird paradox that I walked through of like all of the the framework of Pastor Key's son being torn down, but then me finally discovering who Kendall really was only in a context of being a son. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's this this weird journey and this weird paradox of things were just built up in an unhealthy way and yeah. there was hurts and pains and things associated with the way I saw myself and the way I saw other people around me. Um, but I I firmly believe like identity can only fully be discovered in the place of healthy family and a healthy generational context that like even naturally for us as people we have multiple names we have a first name and a last name we have a an individual name and a family name if you will yeah and i believe like like in order for me to fill out certain paperwork or stuff i have to provide my first name and my last name like it's not enough just for me to be kendall on a government document they need my first name and my last name, yeah. right? That my identity, if you will, is incomplete without mm-hmm. a family name. And mm-hmm. I think for us as humans, our identity is incomplete without a family. Yeah. And and uh, I, I shared at our fall conference, I think a couple years ago, that um, like identity and destiny can only be discovered in the context of generational community. It was this the statement I, I had shared, and I really believe that, and I really... Um, has just stuck in my heart and I believe it will for the rest of my life that you know I'm really really thankful that I'm a part of a community and a place where my grandparents are around and a part of my life and my parents are around and a part of my life and now I've got you know young people in our youth ministry and stuff that look to me to fill a certain role in their life and that there's this context of generational community and family where in that place and in that space, I can begin to discover who I really am. And then it can only happen fully in a place of, of, of family yeah. and, and in a generational context. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I sort of had a similar story to that in a lot of ways. Um, I had sort of my whole family identity torn away. And then um, just this whole process of I have to discover who Joshua really is and I have to discover myself. And that I wasn't in a healthy place when I did that and when that journey started. And um, so I went to and looked at a lot of things that were not actually had that had nothing to do with me mm-hmm. um nothing to do with who i was nothing to do with my fam like just all of these things and um i came to this whole like through this whole arc of losing everything that i gravitated towards and held on to and mm-hmm and like desired all that stuff just one after another just 
as soon as I would gravitate to something, I would lose it. Yeah. And um, it just, it caused me to go so deep and so dark into depression in my own mind and everything that then I had an encounter with my past essentially mm-hmm. with, you know, pastor Toby and access church mm-hmm. and all of that. And some roots from my, you know, younger years and childhood years and things like that. And I discovered in that moment, I felt the fulfillment and like the fullness of, Oh, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so in that discovery, I then started to really discover me. Yeah. And I came to the school, and all of that, once again, was torn away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had laid a foundation for something healthy. And, so, and now, when I view and interact with my past, like, like even, uh, I think it was last year when we went back to Spokane, mm-hmm. We went to uh, Tri County Christian Center, and uh, that was a painful time in my past, um, Mm. in some ways. And uh, I burned a lot of bridges with um, people in that family, and made a lot of choices because of hurt that then hurt people there. Mm -hmm. And so, going, I went back there, and and there, like, there's this whole reconciliation with my past. And this, like, really, um, truly encountering my my past and, and who I was meant to be and my family name and, like, all of mm-hmm. these things. But it, my identity and discovering who I was only happened after I had an encounter with my past, yeah. which then led to me discovering and encountering who I was, which then led to me reconciling with my... Mm-hmm past and my history and, and rebuilding some of that, um, that had been torn down. And so, um, I, it, it it is weird. I have this whole paradoxical story Mm kind of like you, you do just in my own way Mm -hmm. of, um, not really being able to discover me until I had had a encounter with who I was like who I was meant to be Mm -hmm. and my past and then that leading to me discovering me and then me discovering me led to me really appreciating and and um, Mm -hmm. reconciling with my past and those things that had once haunted and hurt me and Mm -hmm. and different things so yeah Yeah, it's really good man beautiful it's it's a beautiful story like God is a beautiful God of reconciliation Mm -hmm. and it's if you surrender your story, your process, your past to him and to what he wants to do. He will always rebuild. He will always reconcile. He will always restore without question, period. End of story. There's no if and or but about it. It's always going to be a story of reconciliation and restoration. And all you have to do is say yes and say yes to the time that it's going to take. Yeah. No, that's so good, man. I think um, I'm I'm reminded of something I've always I've always shared 
with with young people specifically that we we discover like like when I run into God, if you will, say I run into like a collision with God, yeah. I'll actually end up colliding with who I really am. Yeah. And then like Michael Lydia, Pastor Michael, yeah. Um, he's been sharing this idea of a, of something a friend had told him that uh, kind of messed with him, and maybe we'll just kind of leave this for you guys to think about, and then we're gonna pick this up next week and dive into it more but he said he said the statement um that you never really discover god or find god you actually find yourself and then discover that god was there the whole time and it's this kind of controversial statement um but i think if we really kind of open up our hearts to it and lean into what that what that statement's really saying and really touching i think there's a whole lot of truth to it and there's a whole lot of beauty in it totally. that we were we were we were made in his image and he knows that beginning point and he's he's looking for us to to discover and begin to live in what he intended for us yeah. as human beings and we find that when i'm in that place and man my relationship with him can open up in a whole whole brand new way and yeah yeah so it's so cool and you're totally right man god is so redeeming and he 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 promises he works all things for the good those who love him and i think a good indicator that i am beginning to at the very least discover my identity and walk in my identity is when i can look at my past and smile true and you know facts if if you're not there right now don't quit yeah stay in it keep walking mm. that allow god to continue to work stay in relationship with people yeah. allow them to speak into your life and uh, believe and trust god that you're getting to a place and you'll get to a place that man the healthier my identity becomes the more and more i can look at my journey and my process with a big smile on my face and see the beauty of my story and see the beauty of what god has done in and through my life and that includes all of the really nasty negative stuff too yeah. and the bad stuff. But I can see the redemptive power of God through all of it. Yeah. So. so good. So good. So you guys, that's all the time we have for today. Yep. Um, we're going to come back next week and sort of polish off this grandiose topic of <laughs> identity and uh, purpose and relationship and yeah man you could spend months mm-hmm. months talking about this stuff and uh you would just be scratching the surface of it um but that being said yeah uh, we love you guys uh don't forget follow our instagram reach out if you have any questions mm-hmm. uh if you you know need prayer if you have things that you want advice on or or tips any of that stuff Love to connect with you um, as soon as possible. I'll usually reply within a day of of you messaging. Um, and if I don't, that's because my phone is in a lake somewhere or something like that, <laughs> most likely. We will get back to you quickly. <laughs> yeah, as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Instagram, once again, podcast.uncovered. And 
We look forward to seeing you again next week. Yeah, I hope this blessed you. Have an amazing week. You all are rad people. Remember, you are made in the image of God. You're beautiful. You are loved. Have an amazing, amazing week. And don't go after the Ubermensch. Great advice, Josh. You're welcome. Great advice. Talk to you later.